Hello, one and all. Welcome back to this delayed third episode of the Stick and Puck podcast. Apologies for the delay, technical difficulties, timing issues. You know, it happens, but I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Jack. Say what's up to the people. Yeah, good to be back. A little bit of a delay due to University of Tennessee internet being absolutely phenomenal. Um, But, yeah, so... We're now two and a half weeks into the season. Everyone's favorite team, the Boston Bruins, eight and one, top of the league. Without our best player. Yeah, um, it's frustrating, you know, because with all the injuries that they had, the Bruins had stacked up going into the season, you're pretty much like, okay, let's just hope they can stay afloat until – all our good guys come back and they've done more than stay afloat, which is genuinely frustrating for me because uh, I hate the Bruins. It's not that frustrating for me. Fun fact. Um, And yes, I did just say that Charlie McAvoy was our best player. I do think Charlie McAvoy is the Bruins' best player. Brad Marchand, who's one of the best goal scorers on the team. He's only played one game, scored three points and two goals in that game. So I think bringing him back is just going to add an extra dynamic to our offense. Yeah, and I didn't watch a lot of hockey this weekend and this week, you know, because it was Halloween and I had a lot of stuff stacked up. But I didn't, I didn't miss much. The Penguins went winless on the West Coast trip and didn't play particularly good hockey in any of the matchups. So Yeah, well, um, maybe you'll write the ship on Tuesday. I don't know. I like we normally start out the season really bad, so I was surprised to see uh, almost an anomaly when we started playing really good in the beginning of the season. But we've come back to earth pretty much. Uh, losing to the Canucks was bad, uh, and losing to the Kraken is is worse. Those those two losses are pretty bad. They're they're head scratchers. Mike Sullivan, pretty pretty weird roster decisions. Uh, Josh Archibald, I've, I've seen enough of him. I don't really want him. I don't really want to see him on the ice anymore. Uh, what else? POJ. He doesn't play POJ. You know, it's all around pretty frustrating. Yeah. Um, we'll have more on that game on Tuesday, Bruins Penguins, when we get to the pick segment, but first on Friday night, the Arizona Coyotes opened up their home schedule in Mullet arena, home to 5,000 people. I did not watch that game because I was doing play-by-play for club hockey in a building that was bigger than that. So it's just embarrassing, I feel like, that you have a team who's playing in a 5,000-seat college arena where there's no visitor's locker room ready yet, so they're having the visitor locker room be on an alternate sheet of ice. I just think it's an embarrassing look for the league, personally. Right. I, I didn't watch. I didn't watch the game either, but... Uh, you know, ESPN, ESPN uh, covered it because, t- to my surprise, there was a lot of fanfare. There's a lot of fanfare. There was um, they they gave mullets to everyone who came to the came to the uh, game, uh, wigs, um, because Mullet Arena. I think they also let college kids get in. Twenty five dollars student tickets, and a lot of people. I think they sold out the building. Granted, it's it's five thousand people, so it's not that big of a feat. But a lot of people looked excited. They looked they looked happy. But I think it's because it's just something new. I don't think I don't think it's because the Coyotes are good, and I don't think any of that. But it's just it's just embarrassing for the league, in my opinion. And I think it's even more embarrassing that they're trying to make this like look like some sort of like like fun sort of cutesy thing. Like it's not fun or cutesy. The Coyotes dug themselves into the situation they didn't pay rent to their last arena they didn't need to be in this situation and i just think it's an embarrassing look for the league i agree just imagine if you move that if you move that team to quebec right now they'd sell out a twenty thousand seat arena every night even for this roster i feel like yeah i i don't want i want quebec to get its own team I don't really want them to get the Coyotes, considering how bad the Coyotes are. That's but right. I, I think I think they deserve the the their own team. And you know the Coyotes have been kicked around just 
from place to place. They were Winnipeg, and then they moved from Winnipeg to Phoenix, and then Phoenix became Arizona. And then I just I, – I, I don't know what you do with them as far as Bettman goes. I don't even think Bettman is going to do anything. I don't think he has a plan to discipline or – or do anything to that nature because he's kind of a spineless in that way. He doesn't, I feel like Batman never acts on anything. He's not, he's not a commissioner that, that, that will do his commissioner role. So to speak. I think Batman's plan at this point is to wait five years, see if that newer new, I think it's 17,000 seats, something like that arena that they want in Tempe comes to pass. I think for some reason he's still holding out hope that Austin Matthews wants to sign with Arizona, which is not happening. No, I mean, hometown kid coming back, but like the Coyotes would have to give them him so much money and there's no way that they're doing that. And yeah. again, I feel like, like the, again, the arena was sold out, but once, once a couple weeks go by with the, the, the luster will kind of wear off the, the, the kind of cool new aspect of of this is something different will wear off and then they'll be like i'm watching a subpar hockey team with the worst roster imaginable and it gives me the same sort of like winter classic outdoor game energy like the outdoor games were cool when it was in my opinion when it was just the winter classic when it was just a one-time thing now we're getting winter classics we're getting three stadium series games we're getting we're getting all sorts of things, and I feel like the NHL just needs to figure out a new marketing strategy and just, hey, outdoor games or a stadium in a new venue. And the idea of, hey, we're going to have a stadium game, but we're going to put it in the South because we're so cool, that doesn't really do anything for me either. Yeah. I mean, it'll be cool for Rally to have an outdoor game. It won't be cool to have the Winter yeah. Classic in Fenway and have Boston host it for the third time. Yeah, yeah. Max Pacioretty, he was at the Virginia Tech NC State game, and they interviewed him. They were like, "Are you excited to play out here?" He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, I guess." <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Spoken like a true Carolina player. Yeah, yeah. So, our next segment is going to be some of the um, early candidates for various awards. So we're gonna, and I'm gonna read out the um, official descriptions for the awards just because i like them so much and think they're funny okay um so the first we're going to look at is the heart trophy which is awarded to the player judged most valuable to his team last year it was won by austin matthews of toronto i do not see that happening again based on the toronto maple Leafs early performance mm -hmm. um so I was I, I did some research just to see you know Vegas favorites and who I who I like so I think that McDavid probably has the best shot of winning it especially if Edmonton can make a big run in the playoffs I also like Nate McKinnon if the if the Avalanche can make another deep run in the playoffs because well, it's feel a regular like, season award so playoff performance really doesn't matter. Well, I feel well my. My point still stands. I think that I think that McDavid will will probably win it. I like McDavid to win it, and I I think the NHL is weird because I feel like the NHL always gives like the awards out to players who should have won it last year. Like yeah. I feel like I feel like Matthew should have won it the year before he won it, and maybe maybe Nate McKinnon will benefit from that. Mm -hmm. I also think it's based on last year's playoff performance a lot. Right. Like, so I think McKinnon gets another leg up because of that, I think. And I mean, McKinnon rightfully should be a contender for the heart. But I think that basing it off of last year's playoff performance is not the right way to go about giving an award. I think, McDa I think McDavid's the favorite right now for me. Yeah, McDavid, I mean, McDavid, nine goals, nine assists to nine games to start the season. Yeah, he's, he is, he's hot right now. If, if he can keep up that production, then that would be incredible. I don't think he will, but I still think he'll be playing at a level where the Hart Trophy should go to him. Yeah, uh, I did the research. Uh, McDavid has the best odds 
of winning according to Vegas. He's at like plus 150 or something like that. Plus 150, yeah. All right. Next is the Vezina Trophy. Give it to the best goaltender. Igor Shesterkin of the Rangers won it last year, and I don't really see why he can't win it again. Yeah, uh, it's the. I think Shesterkin wins it again this year, especially if he just puts up the same performance that he did last year. And he's on a little bit of a cool down period right now. The Rangers aren't aren't exactly on their winning ways like they were hot into the season. But I mean, he just stands head and shoulders above the rest of his competition. Mm-hmm. I mean especially with Vasilevsky not really being all that hot to start off the season. Uh, I think a dark horse candidate could be Alexander Georgiev. He's playing pretty well in Colorado. And Vegas also has Shesterkin as as the favorite to win the uh, Vesna this year again. I think other than Vasilevsky, there's really no one who can compete with Shesterkin. And considering the start that Vasilevsky's gotten off of it, yes, I know Shesterkin isn't doing incredible but he's still doing well enough that it's not going to dock his numbers too much so for that reason i think that he'll win it again yeah the only the only detriment that Tristerkin has the only sort of negative thing that i can see is that he won it last year only three goaltenders have won it back to back before only three goaltenders have won the vesna back to back but he could definitely be the fourth considering he's definitely one of the best like going at it right now i can't i can't really name you anyone that's close to be playing on his level yeah i agree so next the art ross trophy most points mcdavid last year i really don't see how mcdavid doesn't win it again i also (laughs) i also have mcdavid i know it's the easy cop-out answer but um at the time when i wrote my notes he had four goals uh, but, you know, we're early on to the season to give them some time. Uh, there's people with seven goals. I know that. But I just don't think they continue uh, the production that, that McDavid, you know, continues to always produce. Yeah. And when you have a player like Dreisaitl on your team, you also get so many assists. Yeah. Which helps yeah. in the point total. So Yeah, his line I, is insane. Yeah. All right. Next, the Richard. It was given to Austin Matthews last year, top goal scorer in the league. I I think Matthews could win it again, but in order for Matthews to win it again, I think Toronto has to play better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah. On my notes I have I have McDavid again. It's the same thing <laughs> as, as I said, yeah. as I said it, like the dude is just a beast and his line is insane. And the Oilers are actually pretty decent right now. So I don't see I don't see how he doesn't win the Richard this year. Yeah. Um, the one thing is if he focuses more on sort of passing and then the goals kind of diminish, but the points still rack up the same, that could be a scenario where someone like a Matthews, like a, I don't know, Pasternak, because I know he, he had a great, he's having a great start to the year, could yeah. slip in there, but I still think McDavid's the favorite at this point. Mm-hmm. All right, next, the Morris, Morris Norris Trophy, which is awarded to the defenseman who demonstrates throughout the season the greatest all-around ability in the position. It was given to Kel McCarr last year. Um, while I think McCarr could win it again, I think, and I know the injury is going to hurt him, but I think the best defenseman in this league right now, and maybe this is my Bruins bias, is Charlie McAvoy. I think he's if hurt. He, I know he's hurt, but it's October 30th. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, I guess, yeah, sure. He could, he could win, but him, def, him, him being hurt is definitely. Yeah, it, it hurts a, a, a lot. I think. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Victor Hedman wins it this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got slightly favorable odds in Vegas, not, not overwhelming odds, but that is, that is my. My pick. I think I looked it up, and I think Makar has the best odds to win it again. Yeah, I just think that the Norris at this point, there's so much of a stake put on scoring and offensive ability and points that I think it compl- – I don't think that the Norris right now, the way it's being awarded, is given to the best defenseman. 
I feel like I feel like they definitely give it to like the best all around defenseman, but they definitely be like they're definitely air to the side where like oh you score goals and you can also dish the puck to give up give, give, mm-hmm. give assists. Yeah, but I'd like to see, and th- I feel like this is never going to happen. I'd like to see more of an emphasis on defensive play in your own zone, being physical, getting people off the puck. But the problem is there's no real statistical way to track that. Right. So you just, when you look at the stat sheet, okay, maybe you see plus minus, but you also see, you also see points right there. And you're like, oh, that's an easy way to determine who the best defenseman is. Um, so I, I could see Hedman winning it. I think if Hedman wins it, it Tampa needs to play better. Yeah. Um, Makar, definitely a contender. Roman Yossi did pretty well in the voting last year. I yeah, don't, yeah. I don't really see him winning it. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think he's won. Has has he won? I, I feel like he's he won one year. But yeah, no. Stand by while I do the research I should have done before. Um, take a look. Roman Yossi won it in 2019-20. Okay, yeah, I was about to say he did win it. He did win it one year. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it seems like kind of a Yossi seems like kind of like an off the board pick. He, he seems like kind of like a weird weird pick, like mm-hmm. not a mainstream pick. Next is the Selkie Trophy, also known as the Patrice Bergeron Trophy, which is given to the best forward on the defensive end. Um, Bergeron's had a great start. And given that Bergeron has won this trophy more than anyone else five times, I think he has a great shot of winning it again. And I'll also... uh pick a player who's won the Selkie before, uh, Alexander Barkov. He's That's played, a good pick. He's played a lot of minutes. He's asked to play a lot of minutes for the Panthers. Nominated last year. Thought he was going to win. They gave it to Bergeron. Uh, I'd be surprised if they don't give it to him. He's got a great Corsi, just over 71 right now. Uh, he doesn't have a goal, but he does have four assists. But I think he can change that. Yeah, I agree. I think Barkov is a great just all-around player. And I think that in the Selkie, that's specifically what you're looking for. You're not exactly trying to find – actually, the entire point of the award is you're not trying to find that forward who just shoots goals all the time. You're trying to find that forward who's able to break out from the defensive zone but also make shot blocks, play well, play sound defensively, not turn the puck over. And I think that's something that Barkov excels at. And I think it's way too early. I, I put this on here at the Jack Adams. I think at this point it's too early to tell. It, it is it is a little early to tell. But if, if the teams that are on pace right now continue their pace, uh, Gallant, I believe Gallant deserved it last season. I uh, didn't get He did not get it. Rangers have had such a great and insane turnaround since he's gotten there and he was a great coach for Vegas didn't do didn't didn't win the didn't did, I don't even think he, he did not win the Adams when the Knights went to the cup with him at the helm it's just insane that he hasn't won it and i think that he should i think that he should win mm-hmm. um i mean the rangers are currently on the outside looking and i know it's october but they they're four, three, and two, which you would think would be good enough to get you into the playoffs. But the Eastern Conference is so tough. Um, two names that both have Boston connections: Jim Montgomery leading the Bruins to an eight-one start, and I saw that look of disgust right there yeah. when I mentioned Jim Montgomery. Um, and then Bruce Cassidy being fired by the Bruins going to Vegas. Vegas off to a good start as well. I just don't think – I just – I feel like they never give the Adams to people who you expect. I feel like they never give it – like, if they continue their great coaching this season, sure, they'll be candidates. But I feel like I feel like they never – like, Sullivan has been – Mike Sullivan has been 
early favorites to win that early favorite to win the Adams. Like every year since he got, since he got to the every year since like 2017, he's been like the favorite to win the Adams at the beginning of the year, and every year he always gets snubbed. Um, I don't think he I don't think he deserved it. I don't think he deserved it last year. A lot of people said he got snubbed. I didn't think he deserved it last year, but I mean, I also didn't think Daryl Sutter deserved it last year. But. Yeah, when we went to the when we went to the cup, uh, I mean, I think he deserved it in 2017, the year we won the cup. But you know, it never happens quite like that. And speaking of Daryl Sutter, did you see that clip? Did you see that clip of Daryl Sutter? I think you're gonna have to be a little more specific. I don't. Okay, think so I did. there's this there's this clip, uh, and I don't. It's pretty funny. I don't I don't know what game what game it was it was during, but at the post game presser, they were like, like a reporter asks him. He he goes he goes uh, Huberto left the bench for a little bit. Why do you think that happened? And then Daryl Sutter in like his deep the, the the deepest voice possibly goes, I think he just left to take a shit. And it's it's literally <laughs> the, it's literally it's literally the best that. clip ever. Like Daryl Sutter is like. Just classic. He's so old, and he just says what he, he just says what like he just says what he means. That a Jack Adams worthy performance right there from Daryl Sutter? You think? No, <laughs> no. If Daryl Sutter wins the Jack Adams, bro, I swear. Right. So that'll do it for this little award segment. Um, before we get to the next thing, I know you have some pretty strong thoughts on some of the new reverse retro sweaters. Oh yeah, um, I do have very strong thoughts. Um, this is just off the rip. My top three are the Capitals, the Panthers, and the Bruins. Those are those are the three ju- just just perfect. They're great, and I I will I will I will gripe about the Penguins because Penguins fans, we just want one thing. We want the Robo Penguin logo. But we yes. don't want the Robo Penguin logo by itself. We want the Robo Penguin with the gradient. We want the weird, ugly, stripe-looking one. That's <laughs> the one we want. That's the one we want. And they don't even—they don't give it to us. They give it. They give it. They give us like the like alternate version of the white Robo Penguin jersey. And oh, it's the worst. It's 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 like it's so bad. Like the yellow shoulders are pretty horrible on it. Um, the the Penguin crest is huge. And we have our we have our um our high mark ad on it. We have our high mark ad on it, and it ruins it. It it, it looks so bad. The high mark logo on it, it it, it look it it just looks really ridiculous. And I feel like the penguins just never never get give us what we want. I feel like the penguins only give have given us what we want once, and it's the penguins. I don't think I don't know if you can see that, but it's the Pittsburgh script jersey. Yes, pointing Pittsburgh... to jerseys behind you is a great format for a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just said it's the Pittsburgh script jersey. It's the black Pittsburgh script jersey with Pittsburgh down uh, diagonally like the Rangers and stuff. Um, see, see, my favorite one, and this is going to be a controversial opinion, is the San Jose Sharks Golden Seals one. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no. Those are I so really boring. like that. Those are they're so boring. They're so they're so plain. I think I think the worst one. I need like I need to get a little re- refresher. But yeah, I just have a, I oh, just have a picture with all thirty two of them up. Oh the 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 oh my god the Red Wings never the the Red Wings like never do <laughs> well. The Red last Wings year, one last year they got a so practice ugly. jersey. Yeah, last year they just got like a white, straight up white jersey with like the crest, and this year they just did even. This is even more shit than last year. Like, if I'm being honest, like this is honestly the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. For those of you who 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 aren't looking at it right now, just look at it. It it is it's horrible. It is it is it is like prison, but like worse. It's like an ugly Christmas sweater. It's awful. It's horrible, and it looks pretty much. Sorry, you can go. And it looks pretty much exactly the same as the Chicago Blackhawks one. Yeah, and the Blackhawks, the Blackhawks one looks bad. I feel like there's not, there, in my opinion, there's not a whole lot of jerseys that really like stick out like heads above the rest. 
Like, there's not one like, oh, my God, like, this is crazy. This is revolutionary. But, like, they're all, they're all, they're all, like, B-plus jerseys. They're all, like, B-plus level jerseys, in my opinion. Um, one that, there's a couple A-minuses in there. One that I think one fan base is very happy about is the New York Islanders. They got yeah, the they finally got back. the Fishermen back. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Fishermen, if I'm being honest. Like, I'm not, I'm not, like... Oh my god, it's great! It's it's awesome. Like it's the same thing with like the Nordiques logo. Like everyone was so happy when the Avalanche brought back the Nordiques logo. But I'm not like a huge fan of that jersey, if I'm being honest. See, I was pissed about them bringing back the Nordiques jersey because I see it as like insulting the fan base of Quebec to bring it back like that with Avs colors. Yeah, but- yeah. I I mean, I feel like it was like a good tribute, but like, yeah, I I, I could see how people in Quebec were like. Yeah, but you you took our team, and the worst thing about like the worst thing about the 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 Nordiques the Nordiques literally had half of that roster that won with the cup and Av- that won the cup in Colorado like a couple seasons after they left. It was it was the first year they were in Colorado they won the cup. Yeah, yeah, I didn't remember, I didn't yeah. know that off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. I do I do know that they literally had like that roster, and they literally had to put through all the BS that that roster was also the flyers people were happy about the flyers jersey i think it looks boring uh the minnesota wild the minnesota wild jersey is the same jersey they had last year yep the blues jersey the blues jersey is ugly as shit the canadians jersey is boring and the colorado avalanche jersey is ugly too yeah um not a great look for adidas I don't. Think. I mean, Adidas is losing the licensing thing in like 2024, and most likely he's going to step in. So, I mean, I just feel like it's not like it's. I don't think it's like Adidas's fault. Like, I think it's like the marketing, and then like the marketing department, and then like what the actual like GMs or like the people that run the team will like allow them to do. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like. I don't know if like the marketing team like was like, let's bring back the North stars logo and the wild were like, nah, we don't want to do that. Well, I think Dallas, I I think Dallas has the rights to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like the wild could have done literally anything except that's, that's, that's the carbon copy of last year's Jersey. I think the colors are switched Mm -hmm. on like the yellow is inside the the wild and then the greens on the i don't know it's it's really bad they the should have worn was, yeah wearing gophers colors would have been better than that yeah i mean i'm not saying yeah, that would have been good but yeah the vancouver canucks jersey is really good the 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 maple leafs jersey is really boring and um the kraken jersey is also really boring but you you, you can't you can't really do much they could have done green and white like the Seattle Metropolitans. Yeah, or they could have done like their like their shoulder crest jersey and they could have put the shoulder crest like the anchor and use that as a primary logo. Mm-hmm. Like what Vegas did last year, they used their little like I don't know what it is, but their, their shoulder crest, I don't know what their shoulder crest is. It's just like a star or like swords and they put that on a jersey. But, you know, you can't really fault them. There's not a lot you can do, especially with that logo. I hate the Kraken logo, if I'm being honest. I mean, I get it's a tribute to the Metropolitans, but like it's just an ass at the end of the day. It's just it's just boring. It looks like I like went on to Chell and made a fucking create a team. And that was like the first logo that popped up. It was like, Do you want to use this logo? And I was like, Yeah, sure. And I was like, Oh. What what kind of generic colors do you want? Uh, the ugliest teal imaginable, and then like the darkest blue you can think of in your life. I still I still think we need a purple team back, and I don't know if the Kings can do it. The Kings brought back their purple jerseys um, with a uh, with the these last reverse release. retros. Yeah. With these reverse retros, they have purple. They brought back their crown logo. Oh, they did. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then because the Kings one looked really nice last last time. The Kings, the Kings one last year looked really good. Yeah, and I think another, I think another nice touch that Adidas did was they, they, the reverse retros this time have the the orange NHL logo mm-hmm. on the, uh, yeah, the, this part, the the the, goddamn it, the neckline. Yep, fucking collar. I'm stupid. The collar on their jersey. I think, I think that's a really nice touch. So now. Back to actual hockey. So, that is in the off- hockey. <laughs> so in the off season, everyone was talking about Patrick Kane. Will he get traded? Will he not get traded? Where is he going to go? He does have the no move clause, and he's been pretty quiet on the trade front. But I still think that because Chicago is so bad, because they're pretty much actively tanking. I still think the Blackhawks are going to make an effort to move him. I think that Patrick Kane definitely has a chance to be traded this season. I think it's probably going to happen more than it's not going to happen. The only thing is, is the potential suitors for him I see have cap issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is Vegas is Vegas is sort of having their all in push this season this year and I wouldn't be surprised if Vegas tries to make us some sort of like crazy sort of trade swap for him to free up enough cap space to bring him on. And honestly, he's, he's getting, he's getting old. He's getting really old. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if the Blackhawks, especially with that albatross of a contract have to retain some of it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they, if that's sort of how it goes, like a player and a draft pick and then you get Kane and then they retain the salary. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. So I could see him going to Vegas because Vegas loves to make uh, random-ass trades that, that don't make a whole lot of sense. Yep. And somehow, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, you know, but that's sort of like their vibe. And they also love – and they're also like – they don't have like any young prospects that are like worth a damn. So just short, sure, give them all your trade picks. Yeah. You're trying to make that all-in push. I think it's interesting how Vegas is the team who always makes the stupid trades and shoves their chips all in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is Vegas, baby. That, that is Vegas. <laughs> uh, I saw the, the Penguins. Uh, I saw a tweet. I don't know. I saw a tweet out there. I don't know how how valid it is, but a report had the Penguins uh, linked to him. But we have sort of a messy cap situation. So I I doubt we can get him if we can move like we can move like a defenseman and a prospect and Jason Zucker maybe, and then that could be the package, and then the, again the the Blackhawks retain some of the salary, but I don't know I'd kind of hate to see Jason Zucker go if if that's like the route we go but he's like the type of player who I think we'd get rid of. We'd get rid of a Jason Zucker player. We'd get rid of a Danton Heinen type player. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, another player who's absolutely broken out on the Penguins, Danton Heinen. I would hate to see him go, but those are just the people in my head. But I think I think the most realistic team that has the the possibility of getting him, who who sort of has a window, who needs to bring build around a star player, who has the line to do it, uh, and I think the Oilers – uh, have a really good chance of increasing those trade talks and 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 getting them get them in getting him over there. Yeah, imagine a line of McDavid, Drysaddle, and Patrick Kane. That would just be incredible to watch. Yeah, honestly, like I just stick Patrick Kane. Uh, I wouldn't stick Patrick Kane on the same line as McDavid, mostly because I feel like the Oilers are just a one-line team, and I kind of need to spice it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. They kind of need to move some stuff, move some stuff around. And don't get me wrong; they're really good. But as we, as we, as we've seen in the playoffs, especially McDavid and Drysaddle can't can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. That was the problem with Boston for a while, oh, a long time. We were just Marshall Bergeron, Pasternak. That was our only line. So then. Cassidy eventually pulled the trigger, I think it was around New Year's Day, to move Pasternak to the second line, put him with Hall. And now you have Krejci centering that line. It's been a big success that how Hall and Pasternak have been playing with each other. And I think if you bring Patrick Kane into this Oilers team, he could be the type of guy who could have have a second line 
and bring it up. Of course, not to the level of McDavid and Drysaddle, but bring right, it up right. to a level where you have two very consistent scoring lines. Yeah, I just think like I just think like the Oilers only have two consistent playmakers, and they're on the same line. So you bring in another playmaker like Patrick Kane. He's aging, so I don't know how like I don't know how a trade works, and honestly, that no move clause. Is, is going to be a hassle. I don't know, like, does he want to go to Edmonton? Like, I don't know. Maybe reunite with his old buddy Duncan Keith. I, I don't, I don't fucking, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, the no, the new, the no move clause makes everything so much harder in this scenario. Yeah, I feel like the no move clause is just like he doesn't want to go to shit teams that probably like won't even try to make a trade offer for him anyways. I feel like I feel like the only like trash team that would like be like, oh yeah, let's make a run at him is like the Ducks, maybe. Because I feel like the Ducks are always in in trade talks with with you know players and all that stuff all that fun stuff. Yeah. But I'm gonna talk about Boston because I'm a Boston fan. Boston would never trade for Patrick Kane. One, we're in cap hell. Two he, I don't feel like he would really fit the culture of the team, and Boston is probably the team most in the NHL who prides themselves on their culture. Yeah, yeah. and then Absolutely. because to get him, it would have they'd have to retain. We'd have to give up at least one first round pick, maybe two, and then like a Jake DeBrus type of player. Yeah, I also think like. Just getting Patrick Kane, uh, there'd be like baggage coming along with it, especially for you know the Blackhawks and that that Stanley Cup team and the harassment harassment uh, allegations. And I just I don't think Kane handled that well at all, like mm-hmm. the backlash that the Blackhawks received from that, and just like Kane has had allegations against him off the ice and he's also had also has allegations of being a bad locker room guy so i just yeah he is not the type of guy that boston wants now edmonton who already has a vander kane i feel like they'd take him in yeah yeah which is which is crazy because vander kane is like yeah but could you imagine how freaking volatile that locker room is if you get a vander kane like you have a vander kane and not, and you have Patrick Kane and just two two people that are like just cancers, like just like just awful. And like Patrick Kane doesn't really have like Patrick Kane hasn't really had to have like an ego clash because the Blackhawks have just been bad for so long. Yeah. And I don't know if Patrick Kane is willing to be like, oh yeah, I want to go from being the star of this team to being a role player on this mm-hmm. team. Because if Patrick Kane goes to the Oilers, sure that's a that's a drastic that's a drastic move. That's a that's a, a big move. But he's the he's a he's not the second best player. He's not the first best player. He's like the fourth best player on that team. Mm-hmm. If he goes there, he's kind of a footnote. He's kind of a role player. Mm-hmm. And I mean, footnote I think is underselling it a little bit. But he's not going to be playing twenty minutes a game, right? He'll probably be on the second line. Maybe he'll be on the first power play. But he's not going to be the star that he is in Chicago, yeah. and I don't know how much of an effect that'll have on him. Yeah. I mean, he's, his his star is definitely dwindling. I haven't heard hide or tail of Patrick Kane since 2000, 2015. Like, mm-hmm. he's just been on the decline. Yeah. So another big event that happened since we last recorded was Phil Kessel is the NHL's new Iron Man taking over the record. I think so the question is can it be caught? The next active player is Brent Burns who is about 300 games behind. Yeah, um no. <laughs> Kessel is still going strong. Uh Records are meant to be broken, but the second and third place players on the list are retired or just, you know, out of hockey in general. So 
I think I think it can be broken. I'd be surprised if it is broken. And if it is broken, it's not going to be in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Nine hundred and ninety is insane. I'm I'm sort of torn. Is the Iron Man record regular season and playoffs? Um, I'm going to look that up because I'm not a hundred percent sure. Because. Um, it's just regular season, I believe. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. I'm sort of torn about Kessel because I feel like Kessel, like I like him, I liked him a lot when he was in Pittsburgh, but I feel like I feel like like just the last season and a half he was there, he was just kind of. I I feel like he was just living for that Iron Man award, like, like. Especially that 2018, that 2018 season when we lost, when we lost to the to the Capitals, he was clearly hurt in that series, but kept kept playing. And I know that it's, I know that now that it's regular season and not playoffs. But you could tell that he was hurt. You could tell that he was injured, and it kind of, I wouldn't say help. I wouldn't say it was the reason we lost that series, but it definitely contributed to it because he couldn't make. Because Kessel already is 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 slow. Kessel with a leg injury is even slower. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just that last season and a half there, and he kind of had that. He kind of had that. Well, what was reported to be a falling out. I don't. I don't know exactly if if they're still on if that line of Malkin, Haglin, and Kessel are on good terms. But I, I heard there was a bit of a falling out. Uh, that season because he he didn't want to leave Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh traded him and he didn't want to be traded. But again, I'll, I'll get off the negativity. Um, Kessel being the Iron Man is cool because Kessel is like the everyman of the NHL. Like you go out there and you see you see like like Greek Adonises, like bodybuilders go out there. Kessel goes out there. You know, Kessel has like has like a pregame routine like he eats like he he has like a coke and he like eats like all this food before he goes out and plays and like he doesn't skate during the offseason i remember like a reporter asked him like hey uh, like what did you do to condition where'd you skate in the offseason like i didn't skate i just like fished (laughs) i played i played golf and it's just like it's crazy that the nhl's iron man streak 990 games is held by kessel like i just think that's i just think Mm -hmm. that's funny and i like that a lot there was some story that came out this week that like he doesn't drink water during games either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think Ovechkin doesn't drink water during games either. Ovechkin drinks Coke. That just seems so wild to me that high-performing athletes decide not to drink water. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there is there like I feel like there's. There's there's a benefit to it. I feel like there's mm-hmm. definitely like some reasoning behind it. Oh, absolutely. With Ovechkin, it's probably a superstition thing. With Kessel, it's probably a I don't want to drink water thing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna. I don't think this record will ever be broken because I think that we're going to get to a point very soon where, and I cringe at these terms every time I use them, but I'm going to use it anyway. Load management, like we see in the NBA, comes to hockey, and you have players who the coaches say, we're not going to play them both sides of a back-to-back because that's too much. Mm-hmm. And you see it a little bit coming back from injuries. Like Brad Marchand, he played on Thursday but didn't play on Friday because he was still recovering right. from the injury. But just saying in the regular season, we're going to limit you to – 65 games because we want to keep you healthy throughout. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens with like low level, like low level players, like, but I 100% doubt that it would happen with players like Crosby or, or Ovechkin. Cause I just don't think they would not want to play. Mm-hmm. Like Crosby's super sisters of shit. I don't think Crosby would ever like be like, yeah, sure. I'll sit out. But, but like if it, if it's like down the stretch and like, you're kind of get like because I feel like that that's what happens in the NBA when it's when it's down the stretch and you're bad or when you're when it's down the stretch and you're good, you, you start playing those players less and less. Like 
like LeBron James when the Lakers are bad down the stretch. He'll play less and less, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, I just think that – and there was a report that came out, I forget who tweeted it, who said that teams hate these Iron Man records because yes, yes, yes. you feel obligated to keep playing the player and then it gets in the way of your line decisions. Like I know you mentioned Kessel in the playoffs playing hurt. If he didn't have that Ironman record, if he wasn't gunning for the Ironman record, is it more likely that Mike Sullivan scratches him when he's hurt? Yeah. Um, and you just get into situations like that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what happened with Yandel because, because the coach didn't want to play, the coach didn't want to play Yandel. And that's how, that's how Yandel lost it. Like they scratched him and Yandel retired. That's essentially what happened. Mm-hmm. Because he he was only playing for the Iron Man at the end. Yeah, I mean it's the same thing with Marlo. I mean Marlo is like, like I don't think Marlo, in my opinion, the Penguins traded for him, and we we traded for him, and I I don't think Marlo should have been playing in those in the in those in the in the bubble playoffs. I don't think he should have been playing in the bubble playoffs. He wasn't <laughs> he wasn't contributing to anything. And I think we put him, we stuck him on a line that like already wasn't great. So like adding Marlowe is like not gonna. I think we put him on the. I think we put him on the Jeff Carter line, our the our third line. It was like, yeah, let's put Marlowe on this line. Let's put like oldest shit Marlowe with oldest shit Jeff Carter. It's like, no, yeah, no, that's not a smart. That's not a smart line pairing. Mm-hmm. Mike Mike Sullivan still thinks his whole team is in twenty seventeen, and I feel like that's his problem. I feel like Mike Sullivan, as like a coach, he's 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 just really stubborn, and he doesn't like playing any of the guys. Like POJ is pretty good, and he never plays POJ. And then uh, who else? Uh, Paling, Paling's our new our new defenseman, and like he was sort of apprehensive about playing him. Uh, Pulin, Sam Pulin, um, Sullivan never plays him. It's just it's just. It's just frustrating because this team could be something different, but I think it's just like, I think it's just like, just him not liking to change the formula, and him not changing the formula is what leads to us losing all the time. Mm-hmm. It's this, it's it's what him not wanting to change the formula is the reason we lost in the bubble playoffs to the Canadians. He didn't want to he didn't want to stray away from Matt Murray when Jari had the hot hand going into the season, and he played Matt Murray for the first two games of the series. And then we're like, oh, shit, Matt Murray, you're bad. Let's throw in Jari in a do-or-die game. And Jari played better. He only allowed one goal, but it's a do-or-die game, and the Penguins just didn't show up. And I just – it's just frustrating. And especially on this West Coast trip. This West Coast trip was the complete and utter realization of Sullivan's stubbornness, just not changing up the lines, not doing not doing anything different just running the same hockey and thinking we're a speed-based team like we were in 2017 we were built on speed with Haglin and uh, and Sherry and just a bunch of young guys and Sullivan saw that and was just like yeah let's do the same thing with with Malkin Zucker you know all these old people Malkin Zucker Latang like no it's not, it's just not going to work like it's just not yeah you just look at the Penguins. I, as a, as not a Penguins fan, I look at the Penguins, and I just see an aging core. And I see a team that's slow, that is stuck in the past, and that won't really make any changes. Because when you have a player like, take for example Heinen, who's hot, right? I feel like you're not giving. And I know this sounds crazy to say you're not giving Danton Heinen enough minutes. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when you have that hot hand, you have to sort of capitalize it instead of saying, well, Crosby's our star player, so let's just put Crosby out all the time, even when maybe that's not the best option. Yeah, I mean, it's really frustrating because we have a lot we like we have we have pieces. Our team, I think the Penguins are good. In my opinion, they're good. I think we have the pieces to be good. I think we're good. We we wouldn't have been we if we weren't good. We wouldn't have won all those games just by lopsided margins of victory in the beginning of the season. And I just think that that Sullivan doesn't like changing anything up. Um, 
like I remember in the playoffs, um, we played or towards the end of the season, we played Raquel Crosby and um, Rust on the same line. And that line was hot. And then we put Latang, uh, not Latang, and then we put Gensel on the line with Malkin, and that line was good. And I, I just feel like he never does that. Like he's just like, let's just run out the same lines. Even on the West Coast trip, he ran out the same lines over and over again. I was like, we are getting fucking obliterated, and you keep running out the same lines. If we lose to Vancouver, we lost to Vancouver five to one, and you're running out the same lineup against the Kraken. Mm-hmm. That's that's just that's the definition of insanity. Yeah, and it's like if you make a change and it doesn't work, then at least you could say, okay, I tried this, it doesn't work, we'll try something else. Yeah, and that's like my knock on Sullivan because, like, in the like he always he, he always has cop outs. Like, the, we've we've been able we've been we've like signed him to an extensions because he has he has you know cop outs that that like makes sense but like no because we should have won that game in 20 in 2020 the bubble the bubble year he had he had the cop out which was we shouldn't have been, we shouldn't have been in the bubble this is the bubble we shouldn't have been playing in the bubble we should have been in the playoffs you know we no one could have expected covid but like yeah sure we shouldn't have been in that position in the first place but we also shouldn't have lost to the second the second to last worst team in the Canadian, the Canadians are like the second to last worst team that made the the bubble, mm-hmm. like, and then and then last year when we lost, last year when we lost to the Rangers, he's like, he's like, oh well, you know, we were injured. That's a cop out. Sure, Deming was our starter. Sure, that's a cop out. Um, we also had the the helmet falling off, the uh, the the player rule where once your helmet falls off, you're out of the play. And the Rangers ended up scoring because he had to go off the ice during a puck battle. And Deming being hurt and Crosby being hurt and Raquel being hurt and all these pieces that you brought on to win. But no, like, sure, that's a cop-out. But we had a 3-1 series lead. We had yeah. multi-goal leads in every freaking closing game of the series. We could have closed it out any time we wanted. And it's just... It's just crazy that he doesn't want to adapt to the game, especially in the Rangers. The Rangers are playing a physical, hard-hitting brand of hockey. And and, and Sullivan's like, oh, okay, yeah, we're not going to adjust to that at all. We're just going to let Crosby get killed. And this is why I'm mad that we got rid of Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves is on your team to protect stars. We had Ryan Reeves on the Penguins when Crosby got messed with, when Malkin got messed with, when players that – when Gensel got messed with, when players – it's just when you don't have those players on your team, when you have a bunch of stars who are injury prone, you just give the opposition a, a, a free pass to run hog wild. And that's what, that's what Wilson does. That's what uh, Truba did in that, in that playoff series against the, uh, the Penguins. It's just, it's just embarrassing. And to go back to what you're saying, we are slow. We are aging. I think we're hitting the, we're hitting our Detroit Red Wings era are with being really good and then you know like you know how the red wings like they had that playoff streak right yes they had that playoff streak and they the last three legs the last three legs of that playoff streak like they just got embarrassed and got swept by like really bad teams but they only kept they didn't start the rebuild because they wanted to keep the streak going yeah that's that's what i feel that's what i feel the Penguins are on trajectory to doing. We are, we are that Red Wings team, and we're that Red Wings team with the worst farm system. We're we're const, we're consistently ranked as as the worst farm system in the NHL. So again, I think that I said this in the first episode. If we don't win at least one or two cups in this five year era, which I might be, you know overreacting but especially it's just the west coast trip definitely fuels my thoughts on this but if we don't win if we don't win one or two cups in this five-year span left with this core it's just a complete and utter it's just a complete and utter failure like hands down Mm -hmm. i mean i've 
watched some Penguins games this year, and looking at that team, I don't see how you're winning a cup this year. But I think I think you know if we if we can channel that energy that 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 we had in the first couple of games of the season, um, we can definitely like work it out. But again, the Penguins never do well on West Coast trips. But I've never seen them play as shitty on a West Coast trip as as they did um, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with that, we'll move on to the pick segment. Um, I did have the better of the pick segment. I'm 6-2-2, 14 points. You're four points back at 4-4-2. Four, four, and two. And we start with tomorrow night. If you're listening to this when it's released, it will be tonight. On NHL Network, Washington and Carolina. I think uh, the Hurricanes look good right now. Uh, they haven't gotten – I feel like I said this on the on the last episode – they haven't gotten any wins. They still haven't that I found like pretty impressive, but they're doing what they should be doing, which is beating up on the easy opponents on your schedule. Uh, the cupcake games, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, the caps are three and one in their last four, but I just, I trust the hurricanes more to win this one. So I'm giving the hurricanes. Yeah, I, I agree. I taking Carolina as well, because I just think Carolina is the stronger team all around. I think, at Washington, you have that one good line, and then there's just a big drop off. Whereas right. I think Carolina has more talent spread throughout their lineup. So yeah. for that reason, take Carolina. Next, we have two teams that weren't really expected to do much this season, but they've both gotten off the hot starts. It's Detroit and Buffalo. That's also on Monday. Yeah, um, I think this is going to be a battle. Um, like you said already, like how I between two surprising teams. I think it's surprising how well they're doing this early into the season. Obviously, uh, Sabers are, I think, are five and three, and the the Red Wings are four two and two, and so it's pretty impressive. But I think it's a crapshoot, honestly, because I think it's a battle of two impressive teams, but two impressive teams who aren't that good, in my opinion. Um, so it's, in my opinion, it's a crapshoot on who has the edge. Uh, in my opinion, the Sabers have more impressive wins, including dubs over the Oilers and the Panthers. So I'll take the Sabres over the Red Wings. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said. And I think the fact that the game's in Buffalo makes even more of a difference because I think when the Sabres are good, the Buffalo crowd really shows up and gets behind their team and really gets energy into the building and makes a difference. And if this game was in Detroit, I'd probably pick Detroit. But since it's in Buffalo, I'm taking the Sabres. So now we move on to Tuesday night in Madison Square Garden. Your favorite coach, John Torrell, and the Philadelphia Flyers come into New York. What do you think um, about this game? Uh, I think, in my opinion, the, the, the Rangers are in a bit of a cool-down period after starting off pretty hot. Uh, Shesterkin's also on a cool-off period. But Shesterkin's cool-off period is like going from really, 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 really good to like being like a – good <laughs> yeah like it's like like i just think it's like the rangers like they don't put up they don't they don't they're inconsistent on offense in some aspects of the game mm-hmm. uh the flyers have also looked pretty good um with tortorella at the helm uh, uh i like the flyers in an upset all right i think i'm taking the rangers and the reasons i'm doing that i think Shesterkin, even though he started slow, I still think he's the better goaltender than Carter Hart. I think that Kreider and Zibanejad are, and Panarin are better offensive talents than pretty much anybody Philadelphia has. I, I think that Gerard Gallant is a better coach than John Tortorella, and the game's in New York. So I think that even though New York hasn't been playing, the Rangers haven't been playing well lately, I still think that the Rangers are going to be able to get the win at home. Now we're going to save the Boston-Pittsburgh one for last because I know that's both of our teams. So we'll go to the West Coast game Tuesday night, 10.30 on ESPN if you're still up. Anna, two really bad teams, Anaheim and San Jose. Yeah, um... 
I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't even fucking do the research on this game because it's just a crapshoot. These two teams are really bad. Uh, it's just. It's honestly just a toss up, and for me, it's just a toss up between just garbage. Um, but San Jose beat the uh, Maple Leafs, who aren't that hot, but who have good who have good players. So I'll take San Jose in this one over Anaheim. I just. I'm still waiting for Trevor Zegers to wake up this year. Mm-hmm. He's gotten off to a very slow start. I think that playing a team like San Jose, where they have pretty limited talent on the blue line, is an opportunity for that. I think that it's possible for Zegers to make a step up. I they're gonna they're playing Toronto tonight, so they're probably gonna be coming off a win against Toronto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think I just think Anaheim's the the better team, even though they started slow. So I'm going to take the Ducks for those reasons. And Tuesday night, eight o'clock, ESPN national TV. My Bruins and your Penguins at PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh. You're giving me a look like you're going to pick Boston, but you don't want to. Uh yeah. Uh. <laughs> The Penguins, again, coming off the West Coast trip, uh, they're going to come back to a PPG Paints Arena that, quite frankly, is, is not going to be happy. I, I don't think the energy is going to be there, especially after what they've given us on the road uh, on the West Coast. Um, again, the, the Bruins, and you know this, have been extremely good. They've been they've been great. Um, you guys historically dominate us. Like You guys, you guys kind of own us. And I hope I I hope you guys beat us, and I hope you guys like beat beat the fucking brakes off of us because if you do like absolutely kill us like six to one or like seven to one or like five to nothing like Sullivan and Hextall and and Berkey will start reevaluating certain things and players will start getting moved around and mm-hmm. I, I hope that happens. So yeah. I'll take Boston. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I really don't see a way for Pittsburgh to win this game. We've started incredibly hot. We've gotten so much production out of the offense. Even in the one game we lost, we still scored five goals. Mm-hmm. I think that we're just an all-around better team. The one place maybe you have the edges and goal, but Olmark started really hot as well. So yeah. I think that in pretty much every aspect of the game, I think the Bruins are the better team. So for that reason, I'm going Boston. Yeah, I think the only reason why the Penguins have a chance of winning this game is because it's not in Boston. We I don't I don't know the last time we fucking won in Boston. I can't even tell you the last time we won in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll do it for the picks. Um, Email us questions. We wanted to take some questions, gives us some discussion. Um, the email is lubcast, L-U-B-C-A-S-T, the same as is put in the title of the podcast, at gmail.com. Um, I think we can also get that email in the description, so you can just copy and paste it or click on it or however you do that. So anything else, Duncan, before we... Say goodbye. Uh, I have no plugs, but please, for the love of God, I, I just want one of my teams to be good. Just please. <laughs> the Steelers are bad. The Penguins are bad. And, and the Pirates were bad. And Virginia Tech is bad. And I put too much mental stock into how my teams do. So, please, I just put it into the universe. One of my teams be good. And, and by one of my teams, I mean the Penguins because the Steelers are uh, have no hope this season. Yeah. Um. My teams are actually doing pretty well. Mm. I mean, the Bruins are 8-1. Tennessee football is 8-0. West Ham's not exactly doing too brilliant, but shrug. I didn't really expect much out of them this year. But I'd like to keep the success and not kind of hand it off to you, if that's all right. You're just kind of flex on me after my heartfelt after my heartfelt pleas and cries with, with your – Eight no Tennessee football team with our starting quarterback. Oh, oh I didn't. I didn't even mention that. <laughs> uh, well, 
that's that's gonna that's gonna do it for us guys thanks for listening to the third episode of the stick and puck podcast and we'll figure out when the fourth one's gonna drop um maybe wednesday uh, i don't know since you guys are gonna be getting this on monday how how many doses you guys want in a week but we'll figure it out yeah